Life's a Mitch. Right, yeah. So, guys, welcome back to Life's a Mitch, episode eight. This is a bit of a spur of the moment sort of episode where um my friend Brooksy he heard were on a few weeks ago spoke about one of the Facebook pages that he he monitors and he he's an admin for, and one of the members Tomo has got in contact with me, sharing that he's got a story he'd like to tell. So I've actually never met this guy, but like seems like an absolute champion of a bloke. So, um, so Tomo, would you like to introduce yourself, mate? Whereabouts are you from and what made you want to come on this episode? Mate, well, obviously, like you said, my name's Tomo. Um, I grew up, um, I was split family. So I grew up in Sydney and um, coastal towns as well. And, um, mate, I, I wanted to share my story basically about addiction. Um, okay. I, drug addiction, um, which resulted in a life of crime. Um, you know, stuff I look back now and I think, fuck, how, how was I even there? What did I do? And then basically now I still look at myself and I think, how am I still alive? <laughs> so, fucking hell, it must have been pretty hectic. Um, man, I can honestly say my beautiful wife's the only reason I'm probably still alive. Yeah. Um, but Shout yeah, it, Mrs. Got, <laughs> got, it got, got pretty hectic, man. Like at one stage, um, it was actually wasn't one stage, it was for almost seven years constant. I was an eight ball a day of ice, eight ball of ice a day habit. An eight ball a day so, of ice, jeez, eight man. ball a day, man. I must so, set you back was, a bit. And well, see, I was in the game, so um, it was just there, you know what I mean? Yeah, but for sure. That, that's sort of mixed in with pills and then fucking coke and then gas and yeah, pretty much whatever I could get my hands on, well, whatever I had at the time. Yeah, it was just pretty much my diet. So, um, the I guess diet. starting from the if you start from the start, I was bloody company split family. Um, I was pretty well to do family, so um, I got sent to. One of Sydney's most elite boys uh, boarding schools. Um, and I got up to Mr. Fair and then got kicked out. Um, my old man, he, he was a military man and nothing was ever good enough for him. So no matter how hard you tried, it was always, you know, um, it was never good enough. Never good enough. So I, I didn't show interest in going in, into his line of work. And that was sort of, um, yeah, I, I was never good enough after that. So I thought, fuck it, I'm just going to rebel, you know. So I thought, if you if it's never good enough, I'm going to show you how good I can do. At being not good enough so so was it kind of like kind of like to to say fuck you this is what i'm gonna do kind of thing yeah pretty much man, pretty yeah. much and, and the, now i look back at it, it like it almost destroyed my mum you know and my mum single mum tried to do the best she could for me and um, it almost destroyed her so you know but now like mum and i we're stronger than ever we, yeah. we live just up the road from each other so you know talk every day or love her love her to be the best mum in the world but yeah so basically it all started out smoking pot well you know everyone when they're young they smoke pot what were you like and, um, teenage years at school, was it? Or yeah, so yeah, teenage years at school, probably you know, 14, 15. Yep. Smoking pot. And then um oh, about 16. I think I was yeah, just out all night treating the house like a hotel. Mum got jack of it and kicked me out. So I was like, oh well, you know, fuck the world. And then I went um how old were you where when I you, lived? How old were you when you got sort of the punt from your mum? Oh, I was 16. 16 when mum kicked me out. And I thought it was just oh, you know, she kicked me out for the day. But yeah, no, she did the tough love, man. And um, mm. I look back now, it's probably the best thing she did. But I, um, I, so at 16, I got kicked out and I had mates that lived sort of locally, but in the housing commission area. Yep. It was a pretty tough area. And I was, um, oh, that's where I was hanging out, smoking bombs and shit anyway. So I was like, all right. So I just started couch surfing there. And then basically got in with a few of, well, I guess what society calls the wrong people. But at the time I thought, well, this is my family. These are the people that are here when I'm at my lowest, you know? Yeah, well, when you're 16, but, you don't, you know, you don't exactly, I don't know about you, but I didn't have many options. If I had got kicked out, I wouldn't have had many options when I was 16, to be honest. Yeah, no, nah, um, but I didn't. I didn't. But see, at the time, I didn't realise because I came from a well-to-do house and, you know, my parents tried to do everything they could for me and they'd give me money and stuff. 
I'd go and I'd get on and I'd take it to one of my mates' houses and we'd all sit around and have a session that. Yeah. They never had any money, but I always had the money. So they sort of milked me at the start, you know, but I never realized that. Like they just sort of gave me somewhere to stay. Okay. Fair and, um, so, like, okay, just so I understand, because, yeah, that first time meeting Tomo, I'm just sort of trying to, to get to uh, understand. Okay. So you're 14, sorry, 16, out of home with yep. your mates, smoking bongs and whatever. Yeah. What happened after that? Sort of like, you know, what, how long were you doing that for? And when oh, that things- would have been, you know, a few years. And then, but it's, it started there. Like it went from, Smoke of bongs to the boys pinching balliums or whatever off mum and dad or off nan or whatever. And then it sort of went, um, you know, got involved in a few B&Es and that, like breaking into houses to bloody, because obviously I didn't have mum and dad money anymore. Yeah. So breaking into houses and stealing shit to bloody support the habit. So, yeah, and so I was going to say, so whatever you could do to sort of get a kick or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Pretty much like anything, anything you could get your hands on was sort of started. And I didn't realise at that stage that, um, it was a forming an addiction, you know. I was just yep. like, oh, well, that's what we do every day. And then before you know it, like addiction's got older. So, you know, that's when you start hanging out for a bong or hanging out for pills or hanging out to get pissed or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And then from there, it just sort of went on. And then the years went by. They just sort of ticked by and getting in trouble with the police, um, getting arrested, getting locked up. And then moved away um, to another place. And I was like, well, I, I know I know weed and shit. So I'm just going to start selling weed. Okay. So was it another place out, in another place in Sydney? Did you go or where'd you go? No, no, just just well, on the east coast somewhere, but just out of Sydney. You know, okay, like yep. I just I got in got into some bad shit and then just yeah, basically pretty much I had people chasing me to kill me. So I was yeah, right. you know, just for I I, 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 I I look back now and I think fuck, you know, like stealing shit's like, you know, not not a good thing to do at all. And you know, I, I look at it now and I think fuck, I hate thieves, you know. But it's it's what I do in my past, but Oh, yeah, we broke into the wrong person's house and we stole the wrong shit. And and, and so they were yeah, after, was, so they found out who you were and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, they were some pretty heavy dudes, man. So um, yeah, we I sort of bailed and then went a few hours away and then got up there and just started selling weed. And then um, yeah, I started out with a half ounce of weed and just started selling weed. Yeah. And before I knew it, um, like I was buddy doing multiple pounds every week. Yeah, right. And then and then someone came along one day because I used to love getting on the gas too. And then someone came along one day with the ice cream. And yeah, that was, you know, I'd never changed my past because it's maybe who I am now, but it's the worst thing that, buddy, you could get onto. It's like the new age heroin, you know? Yeah, I've got a, and, um, I've got, there's a member in my family. He's on my mum's side, his second cousin. He's currently in jail because he touched that wretched shit. Yeah. And, you know, he touched up his wife. And um, it's just, yeah. So I just said nothing but bad things, man. So I can imagine that. Yeah. At, at that point, you're probably at rock bottom. Is that right? No, no, I, was, I wasn't that rock bottom yet. Like, yeah, not no. yet. There's an adventure after that. So, my rock bottom was at the end of my seven years of bloody of the bender. And like, I, I, I sit at about 120 kilos now. That's my body weight. But when I finished up, I was like 60 kilos. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, I was pretty fucked. But um, I, yeah, so I hit the ice man and I just started out a little bit, a little bit. And then, yeah, I started selling it. And then before you, you know, it was just out of control. So, and it was always there, like, you know, and it wasn't just shit. Like, it was bloody, it was pretty good quality. So, um, my longest stint was 14 days, like 14 days, no sleep. Yeah, um, right. And that yeah. was, that was, I regularly got up to 11 or 12 days. And at about day 11, I used to start seeing little green men. And we were pretty good mates, man, little green men. We'd <laughs> hang out and we'd do shit. I've got, um, I've got no, I've got no idea. So, I'm just going on you everywhere. Yeah, man. So like now, now I can honestly say, you know, I'm clean, I'm clean and green sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like, buddy, and, and I'm stronger every day for it. Yeah. 
But yeah, back back then I was in the midst of it, and then you know you throw eight ball a day of that shit in, and then maybe ten or fifteen pingers a day, um, and then you're lucky well. you didn't die, man. To be honest, yeah, well that's that's exactly what I mean. You know, like the road I was on, I should have been, you know, because I'm a big frame fella, so basically I was skin and bones then. Yeah, right. And um, in, so, in amongst like it all, you you'd see, I, I you know, you you get up to just like just wigged out shit, just benders, and then one day I, I bloody sort of. I was in the middle of a bender and I remember having a moment of clarity and I was fucking, I was in the middle of the state, man. Like I'd driven to the middle of the state because I heard that someone had cheap weed out there. So I yeah. took 50 grand with me and I drove to the middle of the state and I got there and I've looked around. And I'm like, I don't even know this fucking dude's name. I don't even know where to find him. I just drove there because I heard of it. So yeah. So like, who bended. told you, who, 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 who did you hear that off? Like who, who told you? Another crackhead, another crackhead. But yeah, right you know, when you're in that shit, like, Crackhead stories, you call them all golden books, you know what I mean? Or meth myth. Like it's just a fucking meth fueled myth. Like it's a fictional a meth, story. What'd you say? A meth myth. A meth myth. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I didn't hear. Yep, cool. So yeah. So um, yeah, and that's you know, just shit like that. Like there was plenty of times. I remember one night or one weekend, we went out on Friday night um to the local sort of nightclub and that for a vendor. I, I sort of came to on Wednesday in Queensland. <laughs> fucking hell. So, and I'm looking around, I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? I can't remember, like, cannot remember. Don't even remember going there. I remember well, going out, don't remember getting there. So, so, like, can you, for those of us who don't know what it's like to be on the on ice, yeah, can you describe, like, what it actually feels like? Oh, from what I understand, it makes you feel invincible, like you could just take on anyone. Well, yeah, it does. So, different, like, it affects different people differently, like, it's just like energy, you know, but there's some people that have it and then, yeah, you just think you're fucking, you're he and then you're bloody... You know, rip shit apart and smash shit up, and that's yes. that's some people. But then um, myself, it's just it was basically because I was running such a hectic life, I needed something to to keep me going. You know, I suppose it's bloody I don't drink coffee and shit. And then yeah, um, it was just basically it's like I suppose having twenty cans of Red Bull or something all, all at once. Like you get you can go from being almost asleep to like driving down the road and you're thinking, fuck, I could walk faster than this. Like, and even though you're doing sixty k's, you know what I mean. Yeah. So your mind's just basically in fast forward. Your body's out here. Your mind's back yeah. here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Enough. So you just, it's just basically, it just throttles down flat out. So, yeah, okay. you know, you can like all of a sudden run around and yeah, you just go on 100 miles an hour. So, all right. So you're, in, sorry, you go. sorry. So you go, Tomo. Oh, sorry, well, mate. In, in amongst that, you'll be doing something. So, say for example, you're like, all right, I'm going to put the bins out. You'll get halfway out and then you might see something bright and shiny and then you start wigging out doing that project. And then, like a day later, you're like, "Oh fuck, I was going to take the bins out." So it turns you into a moth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, man. That's what they call it, meth moths. Meth moths. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what they call it, meth moths. Like people that have no money and hang around to get meth. That's what they call meth moths. Okay, fair enough. So, so um, okay, so I'm just trying to contextualize it here. So seven years out from six, so yeah. what? You're in your mid twenties at this point. You're you're wheeling and dealing and yeah, highs a kite, making good money, making good money, and pokies every day. Fuck all you know sleep I mean, and all this shit. Um, yeah, always had a t- couple of grand in the pocket. If I wanted to buy something, I'd just go and buy it. Just piss money up the wall, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, okay. So, so at what point did you go, you know what? So you mentioned you met your wife before and she kept you calm. Yeah. Um, did you meet her around this point or how did you, so when we, did you go, we knew each this, other, man? Like, this isn't for me anymore. Well, we, we knew each other for, like, about 10 years before we actually got together. Like, we'd known each other. Yeah. And we'd met previously, hadn't seen each other. We'd been with our respective partners for, you know, like 10 years or something. Yeah, okay. And then um, I split up with my partner and she split up with her partner about the same time. And um, my ex 
sort of kept my daughter from me because we had my ex and I had a daughter together. Okay, okay. And she kept her from me. And um, I just, my ex had um, come across me. Like, it was a small, small sort of area. We'd come across me and then we'd sort of, you know, caught up and hooked up and whatever. And then next thing you know, I find out that my ex and her ex have hooked up together out of spite. What are the odds? Right. So, what are the um, odds? and then like, well, my ex, like, so when, you, when you're on the shit, right, when you're on drugs, like, you got friends that hang around, like apparent friends, but they're just there for what they can get. So we we counted it up. My ex went through twenty six of my mates in the first month that we were split up. Yeah, wow, <laughs> wow. So I remember one day I was going to go around, just go take my daughter off my ex. Luckily, I'm not a bollock man. I don't hit women. You know what I mean? But you should just push me to the edge, push me, take my child off me. And then um, my mum and I had it out in the driveway. Like there was a yellow match at the front of her house in the driveway, and she said to me. She goes, nothing's ever going to stop until you get off the drugs. And my wife turned around and she goes, you know, you've got to, you've got to go fly straight, do the right thing. So it, was so, took, the, it took the two closest ladies in your life to, to make you feel like, oh, shit, this is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah cool. So at, at that point, I was like, fuck it. And I went cold turkey that day. You know what I mean? That Just was, like that. I slipped. Yeah. Yeah. Because fucking, it was, it was all about my daughter and, and doing the right thing, you know? Okay. And um, I probably slept for the first three weeks. I only got up to like, but he go to the bathroom, maybe have a cigarette or um, get something to eat. But I was just locked myself away in a, in a bedroom for about three weeks. So okay, but, I was just going to ask you. So you're doing it. So you decided you're doing it for the three closest ladies: your daughter, your wife, your mum. Yep. Um. So one, well done. You bloody. She's mine. I'm surprised. Like, what? What sort of um sort of blows me away is that you said you were addicted for seven years, and your brain went. You know what? today no more and then you just turn it yeah. off that's got to man, be that, some sort of superpower man right there that's the day i hit rock bottom that that's... was the day when i was blew my mum and driveway that was the day i hit rock bottom i've okay. gone from making pay like, like making bulk money to um you know just losing the plot and not getting rid of anything or doing anything just being broke and then all of a sudden you see people that you've helped out before and you're like me you know you can give me 20 bucks on any pack of spokes and they're all they look at you like a ghost you know isn't it it's funny like, how fuck. things can come around like that, eh? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and you know they people say about going to rehab and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I, the amount of people I've seen that go there and then they used to end up back on my doorstep the day they got out. Unless unless a junkie or an addict or anyone's at rock bottom, they're not gonna they're not gonna have it like the bloody you know the system isn't gonna fix it. You, you need to get the addict needs to get to that rock bottom to actually want to change your life. I believe. Well, that's no, I. I, I agree with you hundred percent there. Like, I don't, I, I can't relate to those who have had like, uh, you know, addictions to drugs and stuff, but a friend of mine, his dad passed away cause he was an alcoholic and um, only bloke I ever met in my life get tw- pissed twice in a day. And <laughs> um, he'd wake up, have a sickie, go to bed, wake back up and crack another can. And he was only in his mid fifties when he passed away. Nice bloke, but it's a shame. But so he got for a while there, he wanted to get back with his ex-wife. So she's like, well, the proviso is, so I'll give this another shot, but you're going to have to do something about giving this shit up because it's ruined everything, like it's ruined marriage, relationship with the boys, et cetera, et cetera. So for a while there, he was going well. And his body sort of went to shutdown mode because he had been on something like for a long time. And since he was having like withdrawal type symptoms from all the beer that he used to put down. And that led to him being in hospital for a stint for however long, you know, like, and there's withdrawal type symptoms. So, you know, the body's capable of weird and wonderful things, as I'm sure you're aware. 
Tomo. Yep. Um, you know, so if it's I, you know, I I hope that you didn't go through anything like that. I hope the body's not going. I need a fucking hit. I need whatever. Um, so you know, like one, thanks for opening up to a stranger and potentially a bigger audience out there. Um, as or I'm not sure if you're aware, but I'm still new at this, so yeah, no. Um, I mean, I've told my family, like my family asked me about it. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. asked me about what the road I was on and shit like that. And yeah. I've told them all, I'm not going to lie to you about it because it's only going to make me look like a liar. Like you all know that, but he, I was on drugs and doing this sort of stuff. I said, but also, I want to talk to anyone that will listen about it because if I can save, you know, maybe a person that's an addict now or someone that wants to give it away or, you know, they're trying to get on the road to recovery, if I can save them, from even one minute of the shit that I went through and the shit yeah. that I put other people through, yeah. I'm happy to do it, you know? So let's, let's, I'll just sort of go over a few things, a few keynotes here. So the message of today is that you want to get across. It ruins relationships. It fucks you. It can absolutely stuff up your body, your sleeping pattern, do all sorts of bad things to your health, it can drive away those closest to you. And all the while, you know, and the worst thing is you can hit that rock bottom. So is that right? And pretty much saying that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, you know, I was, I guess I was lucky that in the time, like, you know, it fucked my teeth up, fair enough. But um, apart from that, my body, like, I didn't notice any major, major problems. Yeah. But now, you know, and I'm now, um, well, I'm just over 12 years clean now. Yeah? yeah, nice. Good on you. I'm still an addict, like, you know what I mean? Because you, once you're an addict, you'll never, you never stop being an addict, but you learn how to control your addiction. Yep. So what do you, so you just, do you, train the body to be addicted to other things like, um, I don't know, going to the gym or, you know, for me. Yeah, you just, just fill your brain with other stuff, you know. It's doing this. Like I I um, I was, at the start of the year, I I was at a bit of a crossroads. Um, you know, my job was fine. Like I still, don't get me wrong, I still like doing my job. But I had a lot of spare time and I'm a shift worker, so I've got a lot of spare time up my sleeve. So I was looking for something to do and I'm creative. So like, and the idea is to try and get in radio. So I thought doing this. So yep. went and seen yep. like a motivational speaker. She said, do something you love for doing this. So, you know, it's that's what I've done personally. Um, so, like, given all that, given you 12 years sober and, you know, well done to you, mate. That's a, that's a tremendous effort. You should be very proud of yourself. Um, Jeez, mate, yeah. What would you say to those, you know, so you've given your honest, you know, your honest story, your testimonial, if you will. What advice would you give to someone who might be going through this or thinking about doing this now? I mean, the biggest advice I can give, honestly, and the more you think about what I'm about to say, like the more it resonates, yep. everything starts at one, radio. So at the end of addiction starts at day one, radio. Wanting to give up, it starts with that one thought, radio. Even everything, everything. Like when you, when you get up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor, you take that first step, everything starts with one. Yeah, okay. And once you conquer one, which is only a really tiny number when you think about it. One's the tiniest number there is, or besides zero, but one's the tiniest actual number, radio. Once you conquer one, then it gives you the strength to do two. Once you do two, then you can smash three. You know what I mean? And before you know it, you're up to 500. So set goals, start with a small that's, victory. That's right. But always set your goals small. You yep. know what I mean? Because if you're fat, what I call fat stack, like if you stack a whole fat load of shit on top and try and do all those goals at one time, you're going to fuck up. You know what yeah. I mean? You're, gonna, you're setting yourself up to fail. So then what you do is you set the number one goal. So once again, everything starts at one. Yeah, so I you like set that. one one goal, radio. So And then you, you might go, all right, if, if you're drinking, right? You might go, all right, this week, I'm going to have one less beer than I had last week, radio. Yeah. And and you're only it's only one. So you're only really giving yourself a small task or a small goal to achieve. So like, if you, say for, so if I just so sorry. I understand, um, 
so say for example, I want to lose a bit of weight. Starts one yep. goal this week. I'm not going to have takeaway on Thursday or whatever. Yeah, that's right. And, and, then, and, and then it also starts at one kilo. Yep. You know what I mean? Cool. So once you get that one kilo out of the way, then your body, then your brain goes, fuck, I did that. Now I could do two. Now I could do three. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. An old, an old bloke told me that. He said, everything starts at one, mate. Just start at one. And at first I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, fuck, you're onto it, bud. Makes sense. So I had a, something happened to me um, when I was, um, I had a bad breakup a few years back and the, so I've seen, I've spoken to counselors before and it sounds similar to what I was told. And he said that focus on your achievements as opposed to what you got to do. So wake up, you make your bed, you focus on an achievement. Okay. Yeah. Wake, made breakfast, got ready for work. That's another achievement, you know, focus on what you can do as opposed to what you can't. And eventually sounds like what you're saying too, mate, is that things become easier in time. 100%. Because as soon as you start at one and then you go two and then say you're up to 50, you know, 50 bloody goals or whatever, when you go for 51 or whatever, you've got those other 50 behind your back. So you've got that support of things that have already done behind your back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what if what if you go to 51 and it's like, well, okay, I've, I've done this well so far. And so, oh, I might, you know, just treat myself to a bit of a reward here. It's human nature, bro. Every everyone's gonna str- everyone's gonna stumble. Everyone's gonna fuck up. You know what I mean? Yep. It's human nature. Like when you learn to walk, you fall over. You know what I mean? But yep. the thing is, you don't you don't use that as a, a fucking a discouragement or you know as a as a loss. You actually use that as a lesson because you're like, fuck. All right, I got this far. I know I could do it. I fucked up, but that, I know how it made me feel inside when I fucked up. So now I'm gonna use that as food or fuel to go again. Motivation harder. That's right. Awesome. So this show, we speak about relationships and stuff. So, yep. okay. So you mentioned you were with a partner before and you had a daughter to said partner and then you married yep. with your current wife. Yep. So how is, as time's progressed, how have you found the relationships in your life, whether it be your mom, your daughter, your wife, friends, whoever, since you've decided to kick this thing in the last 12 years, how have you found people have been on towards you? I mean, a lot like oh, my, my mom, my wife, look, you know, it's, it's all it's grown stronger. It's, it's honestly grown stronger because I've, I've realised who, even at my lowest times, who stuck around for me and who was there. Yep. You know what I mean? And then, like, you know, it's, it's not about how many mates you've got. It's about when you're at your lowest, how many stick around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, all those people. And, and look, you know, I appreciate what they're giving me and what they're stuck around for because, you know, I, I was in some pretty dark places and probably did some pretty – fucked up shit you know but and they're still there for me so me and my, me and my wife you know love it a bit love it a bit you know like we um we've been together like yeah just over 12 years um married just over 10 and it's 11 years this year hope she doesn't listen otherwise i'll get in trouble because i should know these numbers um <laughs> so and look we just we you know she's taught me communication which is something before you know i was i was a man just bottling up like you keep shit to yourself yeah and she's taught me communication, which was a hard thing for me to learn because um, I was always brought up by people that, you know, you don't you keep your mouth shut sort of thing. So for me to speak to her was hard. And now that we've done that, um, it's awesome. You know what I mean? And we've just started this thing where because she said to me, she goes, well, you don't message me in the morning anymore. And then she started messaging me, you know, good morning, beautiful. I say to her or she says good morning to me or and now it's become a race. You know, who messages <laughs> who first in the morning? I want to win. Yeah, and, and stuff like that, it just makes it stronger. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the, you know, it, she's my beautiful wife, but she's also, like, my best friend sort of thing. So That's hopefully, you know, what, like, that's hopefully what I can. I, I'm honestly after that myself one day. Uh, and, yeah, I've been. And, and yeah. look, 
we, awesome. we've been through dark times like a few years ago we went through some shit times you know what i mean and probably because i was being an asshole again or something but and she's she's pretty stubborn just like me so when it all goes to shit it, you know it's pretty hard mm. but yeah we're just I'm just communication and then yeah, just growing stronger all the time you know and yeah, nice. my mum and that grow stronger so yeah look it's definitely a positive for me but um I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing for me is I've now noticed that when I'll go to talk about something or remembering stuff, I'll just get a mental blank. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, obviously the years of abuse have, have sort of caught up in a way. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm never, short of, never short of a word, but then I'll be talking to someone and I'll just all of a sudden turn around and I'll be like, hang on, what was I talking about? <laughs> so, Do you keep like a yeah. diary or like, I, I have notes on my phone all the time. Like, no. originally, well, I was speaking to Tomo probably a half hour before this come on uh, so Brooksy, or Josh, is one of the administrators for the page Brothers United on Facebook. And the idea about the page is that it's a page with blokes who are blokes. Brooksy went over it in episode two, if you want to, you guys feel like strolling back and having a listen. But essentially, um, like, you know, you and I were organizing to catch up next week. And I figured, you know, why not try now? So thanks for coming on, Tomo. Like, it's... No, mate. I'm the, my, brain's are, my brain's the same. So, like, you know, it, and, you know, it's awesome to hear that you've come a long way and you still doing the right thing so like is there anything else that you would say to people you know that have shown bravery or like that are going off like where can i go what can i do like what would you say to someone where where could someone go for help then you know in the, in the middle of it all like and and even only recently like i've had the black dog ha- have me by the neck too you know what i mean like it's not all yeah. pieces and cream now. so and for those who don't understand the metaphor what do you mean by the black dog like depression you know what i mean like yeah um so like I got family issues like with bloody my dad and that, and then that that all sort of got to me, and um yeah, family stuff got to me, and I got really down, and I found myself sitting out the front of the shopping center one day in the car arguing with myself for an hour and a half because I wanted to go and bloody rip someone's head off, and I was at a low, and I was like fucking you know, buddy, I'm not sticking up for my family, or I'm not doing this, and I'm not, I'm not doing that, and then yeah, I got a bit depressed about it, and then. Um, my wife actually, I spoke to my wife about it and she showed me all the good that, you know, I've, how I've come a long way and stuff. And then, yeah, it comes back to that starting with one, you know, the next day I started and it was brighter and I looked I look for a good thing in that day. And then the next day, you know, everybody, another good thing. And so she just you sent know, your own advice back to you. Basically, basically, but, but it all started with that one, you know, one time I went to the wife and told her or the one buddy, you know, conversation we had or. Yeah. So, look, you know, everyone in life faces hard times. Some, some are harder than others. But, yep. you know, especially the, the the BU page. There's some awesome dudes there that you know people can just get on there and you know say what they need to say. And then next thing you know, there's like 500 comments of people saying, "Look, mate, if you need an ear, you know what I mean." And sometimes it is easier to talk to strangers about stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, you're showing balls by hopping on a Zoom call with a complete random. Um, and yeah, well, putting your story out to the cosmos and seeing whatever the fuck happens after that, I guess. Hey, eh? I mean, look at the end of the day, I am who I am, and I've done what I've done. And like I said before, it's made me the man I am today. And I'm not afraid to tell people my story because, like, you know, I, there's things in life I regret, but I don't regret where I've been because you know it's brought me forward. And why there was people that I didn't even know that I, you know, I might, might have been on a bender and just sitting there having deeper meaningfuls with people I didn't know. That actually sort of helped me in a way, mm, you know. So, cool. so like, even when people are in the blackest of holes and you think you're against the wall and you've got fucking nowhere to go and you're fucked, you know what I mean? It, 
if you're just even saying to someone, I'm really not okay, can I talk to you? Like a complete stranger. It could actually change your life, you know? Yeah, for sure. So message out there is, ladies and gentlemen, don't be too proud to ask for help. Yeah, that's right. You'll be surprised. And also, if you think someone's in trouble, you're all right, mate. You know, you're okay. Men and women, you know, like, so I've got this Brothers Unite page, but, you know, for women out there too, there are plenty of, um, and I will, we spoke a few weeks ago, um, I had an episode about domestic violence and depression. So things like Lifeline, things like um, Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, I'll post a few links in the bio underneath. So yeah, like if you, it's like things like, are you national, are you okay day? Like if you think someone is out of character or someone's not right to say, you know, pull them aside. Hey, hey, go and just notice you're, you're not your jolly self today. Is everything okay? Oh, well, actually, yeah. well, you know, my, my dog died or whatever. So, well, what can I do to help? I always tell everyone and I say to my kids too, you know, because if, if I, even if I'm walking down the street and I might see someone that doesn't, you know, I might never seen them before, but they don't look right. You know, you can always see, we'll usually see when people aren't right or they're worried or there's something going on. Yeah. And I'll just walk up to them and I'll be like, are you okay? Because those three words, even though they're simple to say, they could change the course of someone's life, you know? Could do. It, yeah, it's someone showing someone a bit of love that you never met. I mean, if, if someone like random comes up to me in the street, like, hey, mate, how you going? Just, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Like, it'll, even just, hey, going, it's just going to make you sort of get out of your, your autopilot going, oh, oh shit. Uh, and it'll start, it'll switch your brain on, you know? 100%. Because, you know, we're always on autopilot. We're walking between shops. We've got our phone out. We're, you know, checking Facebook or socials or whatever. So that brings me to the next part of the show, Tomo. So every week I get people on and we like to have, do you want to join me? We're having a bitch here with Mitchie. We talk about something that... <laughs> that pisses us off or, um, you know, whether it be lately or something that's always, you know, grinded your gears. So is there anything that you want to have a, a good old bitch about? I mean, uh, coming from a truck driver background, I'd like to bitch about shit drivers in cars, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a common these, trend. <laughs> these blokes in these little tin boxes or, or women or as it may be, whatever, and especially even when I'm on the bike too, you know what I mean? They're in their little bloody steel cage and they think they can just lardy dar in their own thing, like in their own world. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're if you're in a truck, you know, fifty odd ton plus loaded, and this little and this dude decides to change lanes in front of you, dude, I'm not going to stop on a five cent piece. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm not going to just going to pull up. So, yeah, shit, shit, car drivers. Look, it's not that hard to do. Most people have seen a car or driven a car, but they just can't seem to master the art. I don't know. So yeah, I'm a, I got a truck license myself, and I drive whole trucks in the mine. So like. I know all about blind spots and all that shit. And if it's one thing yeah. I can agree with you with is that you're going around a roundabout, two lane roundabout in a skinny, like two skinny lanes in a long flatbed truck or something. And then someone tries to undertake egg up the inside of you. Well, a lot of people don't understand that trucks, if they need to, can take up multiple lanes. Yeah, 100%. That's why it says. But I don't understand like the trucks. Are, uh, okay, everyone wants to get in front of a truck because the truck might be slow. You know what I mean? But if they don't think that they get underneath that truck the truck's going to flatten them pretty quick too you know what i mean so mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah it's um yes yeah, that's something that when you say grind my gears i'm like well this is buddy that's perfect because this does you know it really <laughs> grinds my gears but he's shit car drivers <laughs> so like you know message out there is if it's safe to do so on a long flat and there's no you know you don't sit in there blind and also if you're trying to overtake one don't sit in the blind spot like just either nail it sit behind them till it's safe to do it there's nothing worse than truck driver can't see. He goes to merge, and then he just got no idea you're there. Like, hundred percent. So, you know, bit, bit of bloody, bit of patience, bit of bloody common sense, and then everyone would sort of get along better. You know, let's all help each other out. Same with 
motorbikes too. Check twice if you see one around you for blind spots. You know, they could, they're allowed to lane split. So just keep an eye out for them. That's uh, it, mate. That's agree it. with you 100%, man. Um, so, mate, while I've got you, can I, I don't, it's probably, you know, left the field here. And obviously, this was unexpected on your part. But can I just say, when we were talking before about, you know, there's groups and stuff you can reach out to. Yep. Um, massive problem in Australia. And um, the facts are there. Everyone can have a look. Um, is fathers like obviously breakup of relationship, and this is something I went through in the midst of my addiction, um, and um, male suicide. I mean, there's 21 fathers a week that commit suicide over the yeah, family man. court system and not being able to see their kids. Right, yeah, 20 fathers a week. So that's pretty, you know, and that's that's an average every month. The facts are there. There's a mob called the Australian Brotherhood of Fathers. Uh, it's run by a bloke called Leif Erickson, and he's he's there for fathers. And they've got a support group. Um, you can uh, you can get onto them, and you can speak to a counsellor, all that sort of thing. But guys, you know, when there's a breakup going on, and women too, you know what I mean? Breakup going on. One partner gets the kids. You don't get to see kids. It's it's something that rips your apart. And you know, I went through seven years of family court to get my daughter. And there was times when I was like, fuck it, you know, it's not worth it. I mean, talking about trucks, I was sitting in the truck one day at the intersection of Jambi Road and there was a B-double coming at me and I almost put it in gear and rolled out in front of the B-double because I was fucking, that was the end of it. You know what I mean? That's a dark time, mate. It's dark it is, time. It is a very dark time. So it's sorry just something, I'm sorry, sorry to hijack your show, you know what I mean? But oh, yeah, no, you're right. uh, this is good. This is, this is what I want. I want people thinking, you know, I want, and if your random thought and come from your life experience like that, I just, yeah. I was just taking notes because I'm going to put that in the, the, the show notes as well. So Australian Brotherhood of Fathers, and you know, I, I'm as you said before, you're from a broken family. I am too. So my parents yep. split, but they, were, you know, I was lucky in the sense that mum met someone, then dad did, and that you know, I was lucky because they were like they had a, a good understanding, and like you know, dad would see us at school holidays, and we'd live with mum, say, and so yeah, I was yep. lucky. But I know of people that had parents that were just at each other's throats, and it was just absolute carnage and um you know i just i've seen what the court system can do to both sides um not playing yeah, favorites yeah. here but um no. i just you know if you can Look, I you're think, right. and, and there's, there's yeah. probably sorry but there's probably statistics for women too like you know that might commit suicide over the the whole thing whatever and i, I can honestly say as a father i'm not up to date with the female side of it we can only speak from the from the but men's perspective, 21, there's 21 fathers a week, and that's a minimum. So that means a minimum of 21 kids every week that'll be growing up without a father. I'll just run or some because... numbers here. So 21 a week. Yeah. That's over a thousand and ninety dads a year just off that. Yep. So that's sad. But like, yeah. So yeah. female. So yeah, okay. So a few weeks ago, my my sister Christine hopped on here and she opened up about like domestic violence and how she was trapped in a relationship. So like, you know, it's it's never okay, men or women. But you know, like the consensus is always reach out for help if you can. And you know, what we could do, we could probably all educate ourselves, like, you know, hop on, you know, like websites and just go, you know what, maybe I'll do some light reading tonight and I'm going to find out after this, just, you know, what the rates are and not just so I know. Yeah. Cause that's made me curious. It's actually made me curious. Um, and look, domestic violence is, is not just, blokes against women like it is, it's a knife cut both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, like, we spoke about that, but yeah, there are, there are definitely blokes here. Look, you look at look at Catherine Knight, how she skinned and killed her husband in in Scone, Aberdeen, oh. all those years ago. Like that's just one example of collectively probably thousands out there. You know, yeah. So um, it's never yeah, okay. Just, it's never okay of either gender. So that's something that's massive to me, and I just yeah, I just wanted to raise that before 
No, you I'm know, glad you. I'm glad went, you did, mate. I'm glad you did. Yeah, after you know, and it's pretty fresh. Like it's six years ago, I went through family court about my daughter, and I was lucky enough that we we got a good result. But yeah, there's 21 fathers a week, man. But 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 he just can't see a way out. So if there's anyone listening, lads, that you know you can't see a way out, or you know you think it's all shit, mate. You know, don't don't end it all because of how hard it is. Like talk to someone and just think that. You know, as hard as it is for you, it's going to be harder for a child growing up without a dad. That's it. And I, I heard a, a quote from, I don't know whether it was like something I saw from the Black Dog Institute or um, like Beyond Blue or one of those mobs like that, but it said that people in your life, whether it be your dad, your brother, your sister, your mom, whoever, would rather see you go through your darkest days than not see you at all. 100%. You know, everyone 100%. in your life will accept you and will help you if you just... But you need to be the first one to take that step and go, you know what? But, you know, easier said than done. And, of course, I'm speaking from someone who's been lucky. But, you know, we can all help each other. Like this Brothers Unite page and there's probably a Sisters Unite page for all I know, but no idea. But if I find one, I'll post it too. So I made him one the other day. I saw, I saw him the other day and um, he sent me a message after I left. And he goes, you know, I'm not doing well. I need to talk to you. And I went and saw him uh, so the next day and he's like, man, I'm not doing well. I said, you know, you're actually doing better than you think because you've actually made the first step of reaching out and saying, I'm not doing well. You know, there's a lot of blokes that don't, and that's a choice that I guess they make within themselves. But as I said to him, you've done the right thing. You've reached out and you've said to someone, you're not doing well. And as your mate, I now feel it's my responsibility if I can grab your shoulder and help you through that. You know, you're a good man. So you can straight away tell you're a good bloke. Cheers, mate. But yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. Look, and you know, he, he reached out and that's, you know, that's the hardest move for anyone to do really. Because so, it's very easy for people to just bottle it up and go, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. We've all, we've all seen people that have done it, you know. But, yeah, that's that's the thing. There is people out there. So, you know, if you're not in the right place, you know, whether you, as hard as it might be to make those first words, just, yeah, you've got to do it. You've got to I'm, do it. So I'm, I'm glad that you were able to hop on today, mate, because, yeah, like I guess one thing, if I were to have a bit you and Mitchie, it's that seeing people you want to help but you just can't. You know, like you know, there's a song. Yeah, man, that's that, that's actually very good. Like when you when you told me about it at first, I was like, "Fuck, what am I going to talk about?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's just obviously car drivers is something that got to me, but that's actually a really good, really good bloody answer. Yeah, so. it sucks. Like you know, whether it's you're involved in like a, a sporting team, or if you you know if you fucking you witness an accident, you're like, "Fuck, I'm on the sidelines here. I want to help." Or whatever, yeah. probably some bad examples, but you know, uh, that's, yeah, no, what, that's what I hate. I hate not being able to help if I can, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. No, no, I totally agree, mate. Look, yeah, so, but yeah, no, look, that's that's me, you know, like, I'll, I'll, and as I said, I'll, I'll happily tell anyone my story or I'll happily talk to anyone if I yep. can save them of even one minute of the shit I went through, you know? Yeah, well, so no um, worries. So, what I'll do is I'll, um, if people can email the show at midi underscore 58 hotmail.co.uk. Or there's a Facebook page. It's called Life for Mitch Podcast. Um, get in contact, and you know we can share some stories. Or if you got a story you want to, like Tomo, as he just messaged me out of the blue because Brooksy spread the word on Brothers and Night and was brave enough to share his story. So I hope that this is going to start a bit of a flow-on effect, and other people will come on and be like, you know what, fuck yeah, it's my turn. So I'm willing to get anyone on here if they want to come on and share their story, share their life, and if someone. If even one person can benefit from it, it's all worth it, eh? Mitchie, can I just say that even, you know, obviously, like you said, buddy, I, I sort of cold contacted you, you know what I mean, to, to talk about it. But even after all these years, I still feel better now, like talking, telling my story again, like telling you about it, you know? 
Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, there's just to get it out there, you know what I mean? Like, but it, it does happen and there's shit that goes on, but yeah, just to talk about it. And then I think to myself, fuck, I've, I've gone through this shit and there's been a lot of people with me or, or you know, strong people with me that have made me strong enough to do this thing. So, you know, makes feel good, mate. And also, so, geez, mate. that's all right. Another, another piece of advice, I'll, I'll quickly say this before we go. Um, another piece of advice I was given, just sort of it, is that, you know, write it down. It doesn't necessarily have to get published, but if you contextual and put it and you see it in front of you and you come up with something and it feels good writing shit down, write it down. And if you want to do something with it, write a blog, yep. write a book, whatever. But if you can put something down from your brain, look back and go, oh, fuck, hang on a minute. You know, Tomo last week wrote down that ABCD and then future Tomo goes, yeah, right. Maybe I'll write X, Y, Z, you know, and a flow on effect. And they reckon that can be therapeutic. I buy, I buy no means in my, I'm not officially added in any sort of counseling, but <laughs> this is just, what I've some counselors have told me, and um, you know what some videos I've seen. So, you know, if it helps, create something, create, do something creative. You know, write a book. You know, teach someone how to weld, or I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah, that feeling of helping Mate, someone else goes a long way. I can Mitch, assure you, Mitch. I'd like to say, and obviously, I've never met you like you said, you know, plenty of times. But, mate, I'd full credit, and you're a bloody top bloke for doing things like this. You know what I mean? Getting it out there. So, Appreciate that. Um, breaking the whole stigma of you know I'm a bloke. I'll just bloody keep it to myself. This and that. Um, yeah, history's shown it doesn't work, man. So, full credit to you for bloody getting it out there and having a go about oh, it. Bloody, you know? I appreciate it, man. And even if this doesn't go far, I mean, I feel better knowing that we actually had this chat. And yeah, it sounds like you have too. Yeah, right? likewise. Like, well, mate, you're making a difference. Like, you know, I never knew about it before I saw it on the page. And then now that I've spoken to you, I'll be sharing it away for sure. You know what I mean? But thanks, man. Yeah, no, it's, pretty... it's only been going for about oh, seven or eight weeks, but we'll keep, keep at it, see what happens. See, it comes back to that thing I told you, man. Everything starts with one. You know what yep, I mean? Well, you started at episode one, so. This is you know, now eight. We're at eight now, so. There you go. You, know? you would have started with one person listening, and then you're going to collect more. You know what I mean? So I'm like a, I'm like well, a fat bastard rolling down a hill, just picking up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. No, well. Righto. Well, thanks for coming on, Tomo. Um, mate, thank you for your time. That's Pleasure right. to buddy chat here. So that's episode eight of Life's the Mitch. Feel free to call into the show. And uh, thank you again. See you later. Cheers, guys.